You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit www.jointheventure.com. I'll never forget September 15th, 2006. The day before September the 14th, I'll never forget either. It was the day my first child was born. Man, it, it was a day of joy. It was a day of, uh, there was a lot of screaming. Um, I remember that. But it was the day after that that also marked a very, very pivotal point in my life. In fact, it set into motion the next several decades to come, all right? And here's how it went down. And we were up in the, in the, in the hospital room, and, and we'd had all of our friends come and visit. Tons of people came. We were up in Norfolk, Virginia, where my son Silas was born. And so many people had come. My wife had been a trooper, putting up with all the traffic. And, um, you know, we, and we had you know, flowers and balloons and the whole nine yards. And, and, and it was time to go. So they, they had set my wife in a wheelchair, began to push her down the hallways, and I'm walking with her. And we get outside to the car. And... She slid up to the, uh, the passenger side door, and she gets in. Now, I've got my son, and, and he's in this little the car carrying thing. You know, it's like a ridiculously big suitcase bag thing, and it's like made out of titanium steel, and it's made for, like, surviving the elements and stuff. And so I'm carrying this thing, and I had just dressed him for the first time. I'd never dressed a baby before. I, I made it, like, to a certain point. I'd never changed a diaper, never, like, changed a baby. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm good until I, until I begot one, right? And so I have one of my own, so I just changed it. Babies are weird because they're, like, dressing a baby. A baby's like jello with bones. You're, like, shoving their arms into the shirt. And it was cool. I got him all in there, got him all strapped in. He had the five-point harness. He was ready for NASCAR, and we got him out. And, and so my wife was in the car, and I take him. I take the seat thing, and I put it in the back seat, and I click it into the, the thing thing in the back of the thing. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like click, click. And I checked it like four or five times. When it's your first kid, you check it four or five times. When it's your second and third kid, you're just like, throw them in. They'll be fine. But, you know, they're rolling around in the back seat. But the first kid, you're real careful. We walk around. I walk around. And I go to the driver's door. I remember it was raining. For some reason, I remember that. And I got in the seat. I sat down and looked at my wife. My beautiful wife had just been through so much. And I remember I put my hand on her leg. And we just smiled. And I looked at the rearview mirror, and I saw this baby seat thing, thing in the back. And then it hit me. And this is what I said out loud. I went, wait, they're just going to let us take him home? Like, just, like, just, uh, like me and you, we're just going to take him home? Like, we don't know what to do with this thing. Like, what's... And I was kind of joking, but I was kind of not, right? Because <laughs> here's what we realized at that moment. This child, this human being, needed parents. And we were it. That was it. He just, he drew straws. That's what he got. (laughs) Isn't that true? Isn't that what happens? Have you ever felt inadequate? Yeah. Inadequacy. I'm talking about like you're in the seventh grade and it's Valentine's dance and everybody's got a date to the dance but you. And you're wondering, did I do something wrong? Like inadequate? Or, or, you know, it's that moment where you're... um, you're just standing there. You feel like you have gotten everything messed up. You're looking at your bills compared to uh, how much money you make, and you're like, uh, inadequate, right? And that's, that's a pretty good definition of parenting. Um, today, what we want to do is look at what the Bible says about parenting. Um, we've been in this teaching series, and I've been giving some, some definitions for family roles. And so in week one, we talked about family, and we said family, where lives intersect. That's where family happens. 
where lies intersect. That's basic definition of family. The next week, which was last week, we talked about marriage. And the simple definition I gave for marriage was uh, marriage is, is, is two becoming one, right? This week, we're talking about parenting. If I had to define parenting, it'd be something like finding out daily how completely inadequate you are to do something that might be the most important thing that you've ever done in your life, right? That's parenting, and that's the short definition. What is parenting? And so I want to take a little while this morning to talk about this idea of overcoming our extreme inadequacy and be parents. But before I get into too much, I, I want to take a moment and talk to the non-parents in the room, okay? So if you're not a parent, you have no intentions of becoming a parent, maybe your kids are gone and you're like, man, I have paid their, their last bill and I'm done and I'm just waiting for free grandkids. Like, so maybe you're not like in the... But here's what I want you to know. This is for you too. Just like last week, if you weren't married and maybe you heard last week and you were like, okay, wow, that was something for me. There's something for you today too if you're not someone with kids or has to plan kids. Perhaps it's just this, learning how to overcome your own inadequacies to do something awesome for God, uh, which is really what life is all about too. So we're going to do that, parenting. We're going to go through and, and I, I just battle with what I wanted to say about parenting because first of all, I need to state this, I'm no expert I'm by no means an expert. Um, you know, there, there's a story about an old preacher who, uh, when he first started preaching, he got up and he said, uh, he, was, he had no kids, he wasn't even married, and he got up and he was like, I'm going to do a teaching series on parenting. So he does this teaching series called The Ten Commandments of Parenting, because every person with no kids knows everything about kids, right? So he does it, and then he does get married, he has some kids, and as he's got young kids, he retitles the sermon, you know, a few... Uh, a few suggestions about being a decent parent. And then now that he's grown and he's a grandparent, uh, he, he's got one sermon that he preaches. It's just entitled, Good Luck. <laughs> like, here, there you go. Figure it out. And that's probably the best advice anyone could give you. But I think there's more to it than that. I think the Bible has a lot to say. And so what I want to do today is I want to break down these four phrases Four uh, kind, of, kind of phrases or short sentences that, that you can pack away into your brain, whether you're a parent or you're not a parent, and say, how can we make this world a better place by having kids that can grow up to be better adults? Isn't that what parenting really is all about? So let's, let's jump into that. The first thing, this, this phrase, before we even get into any Bible this morning, is this. That children are a blessing from God. Okay, so that's the first point. Children are a blessing from God. At Venture Church, we've got this phrase, we say it all the time, that the most important things in life and the most important questions we have about life are answered in the Bible. So we're going to go there today and just take a look at what it says. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to just use the screen. There's going to be the scriptures we read are going to be on the screen behind me. And if you, you need a Bible, like you don't have one, the, the version that you have is, is an old version and it's hard for you to read or understand or even the one you have just fall into pieces. We've got free ones uh, scattered out throughout the, the room underneath uh, about every couple seats, three or four seats. And so by all means, grab, a, uh, grab a, a free Bible and take it home with you. We want people to have good readable Bibles and so please do that. We're going to take our first look at the Bible and, and, and look at this phrase, children are a blessing from God, by first looking at a passage from the book of Psalms. Psalms is a, is a book written by King David, and, and David was this amazing leader. He was a warrior. He was a king, and he actually brought the nation of Israel, which are the Jewish people in the Old Testament, to their first state of real national prominence on the world scene. But he was also an amazing poet and songwriter. And so he writes this about God and, and about children. He says this in Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16. It says, For you formed my inward parts. He's talking to God. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, like God made me. 
Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as the, yet there were none of them. So God knew him before he was born. He even knew his whole life. You hear that? God knew you before you were born. Life is sacred at conception. You know, when, when, when life first happens is when conception happens. And at that point, God begins doing this amazing work of weaving together our soul and our body. And here's the deal. Every one of us started there. Every one of us. Not just children today. You. If you're the oldest person in the room right now, a couple of you, I think, you're like, I think I'm the oldest person in the room. You should all compare notes and find out. And then you could, like, form a club and you could be friends. But even if you're the <laughs> oldest person in the room... You were formed the same way that the newest baby, uh, Jamie Parnon, is a, is a friend of mine. She's in my small group, and she goes to church here. And I know right now she is laboriously trying to get through labor and, and have a baby. And that baby's going to be born probably this week. And even, even him, we're all formed the same way, and God knows us, and he formed us. Children are a blessing from God. For one, it represents new life. They represent the, the newness that all of us wish we could have. You know, we all wish for, first, for fresh starts and, and for redos, but kids get that chance, right? They get that chance. They start with a fresh slate. And the cool thing is, I've seen many parents who have turned their lives around once they had kids because they realized, we got to do better, or i got to do better. i got to show my kid a better way than, than I did myself. And so kids represent that. They're a blessing from God. This, moment, this week I had a moment with my, my family. It was like one of those days where... Everything had piled up, and I was exhausted. My wife was exhausted. We were standing in the kitchen, and we were like, I remember we were looking through the cabinets because we needed to go grocery shopping, and supper was still a mystery yet to be determined. You ever had that moment? Like, what are we going to have? I don't know. What is it? This plus this? Uh, no, let's not do that. And, and, so, and, and in the moment, my kids also had more energy than they knew what to do with. They were like, ah, bouncing off the walls. And this is normally the moment where I kind of snap. Like, I try real hard not to, but I'm just like, stop it. Go play with Legos. Go to your room. Go outside. And, but... But in that moment, probably because I was preparing for today, I stopped and I looked at my wife and I said, huh, God gave us those. <laughs> you know, and they need us. Sometimes we just need to stop and remember that children are a blessing from God. And then I took my kids outside to ride their bikes because my downstairs neighbor needed some peace. But children are a blessing from God. Listen, too often kids get the boot, don't they? They get, they, get, they get marginalized, and our foster care system is full of so many kids who just get passed around like unwanted property. Maybe, maybe you grew up in the foster care system. I'm so glad you're here today. Maybe you foster kids. Wow, your heart is so huge. And you know what? All of us can make the difference in the life of a kid through the foster system. I look at that system, and I go, kids are a blessing from God. But then I step back and look at this. I know there are perfectly capable parents who just don't invest in their children. I don't know this about any of you in particular. Sometimes you wonder, like, is he talking to me? No, I'm never doing that. But maybe you need to hear this. I know there's a lot of very affluent parents. And unfortunately, their children are being raised by teachers and coaches and nannies and babysitters. And I just wish I could say to them or to you, I just like, what could possibly be more important than investing in your kids? They need parents. They need you. Children are a blessing from God. So let's not miss that. If you're not a parent, man, you could make the difference in a kid's life. You really could. Just by investing. And so there's so much more I could say about that, but that's just really the opening thought. Children are a blessing from God. Um, but what does the Bible say about parenting? Like, okay, so I'm a parent. What do I do? 
The Bible has two very specific things to say about parenting. We're going to say three more little underlined phrases. The first one is children are a blessing from God. But the, the, but the next two are directly Bible principles on parenting. And the first one is this. Children need training. They need training. Have you ever been behind that lady uh, at, at, or at the grocery store and, and, the, and the girl is, is in training? Right? She just doesn't know her foot from her ear and she's like, I don't know how to count money. And I'm like, why don't you? go to school and like I had the moment and like I was the other day I was at a fast food restaurant and I really wanted to drink and I just wanted to go get a drink real quick but the line was too long outside at the drive-thru and because we're Americans and we're super lazy so I was like oh I guess I'll go inside so I went inside and I found this girl who was in training God bless her and uh, I was like I walked to the counter and I just said can I help you yes I'd like a medium sweet tea okay and she looks at her little register and she starts punching stuff in I'm like what are you doing like she wants sweet tea she's like so that's a medium Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Will there be anything else? No thanks, just a sweet tea. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, I messed up. So she's got to start all over. Okay, I'm cool. Uh, That's my first day. It's okay, it's fine. What would you like? A medium sweet tea. And this goes on like several times, actually. And she actually, she literally prints off the receipt, and she's like, there's a a yellow one, and there's a white one, and she's like, which one do you get? (laughs) I was like, I like the white one. I'll take the white one. She gets the cup, and it's funny, because she walks around. She can't find the ice maker. And she's like walking around. She was gone for so long that another cashier walked up and said, can, you, can I help you? And I'm like, no, I'm good. She's, got, she's like, it's her first day. I'm like, I know. She's doing great. So she comes back, and, then, and she literally, she goes, will this be for here or to go? <laughs> and so I said, I would like a lid and a straw, please. So she gives me that. And then so I'm like, finally. So I get my thing, and, I, and I'm thirsty. So I take a big swig of it. My sweet tea was unsweet tea. No joke. And so I made her get me another one. But we all need training, don't we? And, and so, you know, I think about the training that happens in life. Uh, talking about parenting, this couldn't be more true. We all need training. Let's, let's take a look at this passage that we looked at last week about marriage from Ephesians. Uh, we were in chapter 5. Ephesians is a book written by a guy named Paul. And Paul was one of the first followers of Jesus that starts leaving the Jewish people and starts talking to the rest of us. Uh, about Jesus, which I really appreciate he did that. And um, when we get to chapter 6 in this letter he wrote to this church, um, we read some things about parenting and children. So let's look at chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Time out. If, if you are a kid in the room, like you're still living with your parents, or all of us are children, we all have parents, and if your parents are still living, notice this, because this is actually the only explicit teaching specifically guided to children, to, to kids that are still being under the care of their, their parents. Um, so it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. It says, honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise, which is it's one of the Ten Commandments, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. But then it talks about parents. It specifically pinpoints fathers, so make note of this, but this is true for mothers as well. Verse 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, Bring them up in training and the instruction of the Lord. That's heavy. How are you bringing them up? In the training and the instruction of the world. Children need training. You, you think my experience at the fast food restaurant was frustrating, and you've all been there, but I mean, kids, children, they don't know anything. When they're born, they know nothing. They're some of the most helpless creatures on earth. They literally know nothing. That's why two-year-olds ask two million questions an hour, because they don't know. They don't know why the sky is blue. They don't know why you want them to sit down. They don't know this. They don't know that. They don't know anything. And so we have to train them. We've got to bring them up. And, and here's the fact of the matter. When you ask this question, uh, children need training, the, the, the truth is 
That's self-evident. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to believe in God to know that, right? You look at that. Like, yeah, kids need training. Obviously, they need training. The distinction comes when you ask, what are you training them to become? Some of you might be training your, your, your kids to become professional athletes. Because if you looked at their schedule, that's all they do. Some of you might be training your kids to become Rhodes Scholars. Because if you looked at your schedule, that's all that they do. And I'm not downing any of those things. They're great academics. They're great athletes. Those are all great things. But at their core, what are you training them to become? And I want to make a suggestion to you that I think once I say it, you'll go, oh yeah, that's true. This is it. Your children will become whatever you are. Whatever you are, that's what they'll become. If, if, if you teach your kid to have a love of reading and, and, and learning and school, then odds are, I mean, and show it, like you love it and you read all the time, your kids are probably going to love that. If, if you're an athlete and you do all kinds of games and stuff, your kids are probably going to love that. And, and now and then, you got a kid that kind of breaks the mold and they're their own free spirit. But I think if you check the record, kids pretty much become what their parents are. And so when you ask the kids, when you ask the question, how do I train my kid and what am I training them to become? The first question is, what do I want them to become? And this is a suggestion I want to give you. I think that if we can do this, we'll be doing well. We can train our kids to be God-honoring people who live in his grace. I'll say that again because this is like a directive from God. This is me compiling a lot of scripture down into a thought. Train our children to be God-honoring people who live in his grace. How do you do that? Well, this is how. Your children become what you are. This is how you do it. You try to be a God-honoring person who lives in his grace. And your kids see that and they model that. And when I say that, it might freak you out because you might first go, wait, but I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't know all the answers. But that's fine because that's not what Jesus is looking for. That's what living in his grace is all about. If you look at the people that were the first followers of Jesus, his original disciples, he didn't go around and collect all the Bible scholars. He could have. There were amazing Bible scholars living in Jesus' time. They were the Jewish nation. If anybody knew the Bible, the Old Testament of the Bible, they knew it. They had it memorized. They studied it daily. He could have gone around and collected all the academic scholars of the Bible that he wanted and had this superstar band of Bible scholars, but he didn't. Who were his first followers? And they were fishermen. They were carpenters. They were uh, tax collectors. They were, they were your average Joes. And then they were also... Prostitutes, liars, fakers. These are the people you just collected, which is awesome because that's what all of us are. We're normal people. We're normal people with normal failures. But what he taught them was, honor me and live in my grace. So you don't have to be a Bible scholar. In fact, the coolest thing is this. Maybe you, you, you still feel a little bit intimidated by the idea that I should teach my kids by being a God-honoring person who lives in his grace. The cool thing is you can start right now and you can learn alongside them. In fact, go to your child and say, hey, listen, this is something our family's going to do. And dad is going to start trying to be a better God chaser. You know, we talk about that church, and I want you to do that too. Let's do that together. And you can call each other out. My son calls me out. <laughs> I do it to him. I let him do it to me as long as it's in grace. And we, and we want to grow together. And you, God's goal for us is not that we live perfect lives. It's that we honor him and we seek him every day. And when we make mistakes, we continue to turn back to him for his grace. Let me talk about being a grace-shaped person. We say uh, at Venture Church we want to be grace-shaped. And the idea, if you want to be a God-honoring person who lives in his grace, is this. You also have to have a house that is full of grace. Because, yes, we want our kids to do well, but sometimes we're so hard on them that they just, all we do is yell. And I just, I just see parents, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, 
We just yell. We yell and yell and yell and yell and we want our kids to be perfect. And then they look at our lives and they go, well, you're not perfect. You and mom and dad, you're fighting all the time, whatever. But you want me to be perfect. It's a give and it's a take. And so here's the deal. We don't have to have our kids be absolutely perfect all the time, but we can correct them and we can train them and we can show them grace and we can be a place of grace. So there's the things we've talked about. The children are a blessing from God. And then we said that children need training. But there is a part of parenting that's the hard part. It's the third thing. Children need discipline. They need discipline. Man, I, I, I wish that we could just have a whole seminar where we would just all sit around and talk about that and look at the Bible and see what it says about dis- disciplining. Uh, and, uh, but here's the truth. that Parenting's not easy. It's really important. And when you talk about disciplining your child... Um, Man, the go-to verse that a lot of people look at in the Bible, it actually is kind of controversial, but it's in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs are just, you know, wise sayings, and it's written by uh, one of the kings named Solomon. But he says this, this is the New International Version of the Bible, it says, whoever spares the rod hates their child, but whoever loves their children is careful to discipline them. The message version of the Bible is a little bit more contemporary, it it says it this way, a refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Maybe you like the word correct better than discipline. Love your children by disciplining them. That's what it says in the message version of the Bible. It, but in a world where, where, where child abuse is such a front page item, I've seen so many parents be intimidated by disciplining their children. They're afraid they're going to go too far. And, and don't get me started talking about like the word spanking. You talk about spanking, we could divide this room in half right now. Spank your children, don't spank your children. And then we could have a civil war about it right here. Because, and I'm not going to open that can of words. My grandma said, she said, I think that the good Lord created children with padded backsides for a reason. <laughs> I don't want to stand against my grandmother, but I think he might have more practical things in mind, like sitting down and holding my pants up. But I think her point is well taken. Her point is that you can discipline without being abusive. It's absolutely possible. And so, so what does that mean? Uh, well, discipline is a, uh, is, is a, the definition of discipline is this from the, just the dictionary. Discipline is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. As you hear in the definition, discipline is the practice of training people. So if you want to train your children, as I just said, children need training. If you want to train them, you've got to discipline them. And discipline is a lot of things. It doesn't just mean spankings. In fact, there are so many creative ways to discipline your children. Positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. There's lots of good things. Read any number of psychology books on it. But the point is, as a parent, it is your role to discipline your child. Don't expect the the, the teacher to do it. And don't expect the the police officer to do it. I said a minute ago that, uh, I want to make sure I say this, I skipped it accidentally. That our house should be a house of grace, and this is why. Because the family needs to be a safe place to fail. I need to be able to completely screw up my life in the presence of my family. Why? Discipline. So that someone can lovingly correct me. Because where do we want our kids to fail? At school? In college? In front of a police officer? On the national news headlines? No. That's what being a house of grace is all about. We're not saying it's okay to completely mess up your life. But what we're saying is, This is a safe place for that to happen because we can kind of contain it here. And we can talk about it. Not cover it up. Don't sweep it under a rug or shove it in a closet like a lot of families try to do with it. Talk about it and work it out. 
be a house of grace. But that's what discipline is about. And here's the deal. If discipline is the process of training, it seems like a daunting task and a scary task. But it makes it a lot easier to remember this. That discipline doesn't have to be your idea. Discipline is God's idea. It was his idea. I love this passage from the book of Hebrews. It's near the end of the New Testament of the Bible. Just a lot of good teachings on how to live Christian life. But in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this in verse 10. It said, they disciplined us. It's talking about parents disciplining uh, their kids. So our parents... Our parents disciplined us for a while as as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Discipline helps us to be right, right? And that's what God's holiness is all about, being in the right place of serving God. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. We can teach our kids to be righteous people, to be God-honoring people, living in his grace, through discipline. Children need discipline. So set boundaries for our kids. Make them boundaries that will train them to be God-honoring people who are living in his grace. And when they cross those boundaries, let them know that is not acceptable. That is not how a God-honoring person acts. But not because they disappointed mommy and daddy. That's, that's I think, a weakness that we as parents often have. We make it all about us, but discipline's not about you. It's about teaching your kids to be God-honoring adults. And so discipline might mean a pop on the hand or a pop on the leg for talking back to mom and dad or whatever choice that you use to discipline your children. But not because mom and dad are the almighty kings of their lives, but because God wants us to learn to respect authority and to honor people in authority above us, right? That's why we discipline. And so when when you discipline your children for being sassy-mouthed and talking back, you can do what you need to do, but then at the end have a conversation. Listen, you know why I did that, right? I want, to, I want to help you see that this is how God wants us to act as a God-honoring person. And discipline uh, might mean taking away the toys that constantly get left out. And you're stepping on them, and you're walking through Legos in the middle of the night, and you just, you're like, you're, all this vocabulary is coming out of your mouth that you never want your kids to hear, but it's because of Legos. But it's okay. And you can take their Legos away. <laughs> or you can sell them. I don't care. Put them on eBay. Teach your kid a lesson. Discipline them, but not because you're the almighty king of their life and we live in the Bill Gates mansion and we have to have things sparkly clean. But I'm trying to teach you that God wants to take, take care of the stuff he's blessed us with. And leaving it on the ground is not a good way to take care of it. Or this costs a lot of money and mom and dad worked hard and God wants us to use our money wisely. And if that's how you want to use our money, we're not going to let you have toys right now. Right? And it could go on and on. It could be the boundary that you set for your teenage daughter that she can't wear that bikini in public. But not because, or anywhere, but not because... Not because you're a prude and you're from the 1400s and you want her to wear like a bonnet. But because God has a lot to say about how we present ourselves and present our bodies and particularly about temptation between guys and girls. And she can know, like, God has gifted you with that, baby. That's awesome. And you need to save that for somebody else. Not for every boy at the pool. Somebody special that you're going to give your life to. And we talked about two becoming one. Man. It's not your rules. They're God's rules. And if your kids can see that, let me tell you this, they will line up at the door. If you start early training them what God wants them to become, they will be so pumped about finding out what God will make them into. And it's not to be a professional baseball player. And it's not to be the straight-A kid all the way through college. But it's to be a God-honoring person who lives in his grace. Children need discipline. They need boundaries. They need parents who are bold enough and have the guts enough to stand up to your five-year-old and say no. Am I always innocent of that? Or do I, do I always live with that? No. I mess up. My children need to know that I love them and that my discipline is not from me, it's from God. Because I want to help them to be a God-honoring person. So children need discipline.
Um, children need discipline. They need training. They're a blessing from God. And the last thing is this is actually very quick. Children need love. Come on. Children need love. They're, they're, not, they're not Spartans. They're not in boot camp. They need love. And I talked about how kids get the boot a lot, and they end up at the short end of the stick and, 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 and the foster care system and all of that. I could say a lot here, but what I want to boil down is this. Everyone, everyone is responsible for children. Everyone. I don't care if they're your kids or not. Everyone is responsible for children. The world would be a better place if we would realize that. That means watch your mouth around little kids who are very easily influenced. That means watch what you're showing on TV when you know there's kids in the room. Whatever it is, everyone's responsible for children. I want to share this verse for you. This is Jesus talking to people, and there's these people who, who are, um, let's just say they're people who are trying to keep children away from him. Uh, but this is what it says, and Jesus says in Luke 17. He said, it would be better for them, those people who are trying to keep kids away from him, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck, which is a very heavy stone. You drown. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Jesus is very serious. The children need love, and it's all of our responsibility. Children are not only the future of humanity, but they are today. They're part of us today. Like They, they breathe the air that we breathe. They're part of our, our system. They're part of our economy. They're part of our psychology. They're part of what we do, and children need love, and we can't just throw them in the back seat until they turn 18. We've got to invest in them daily. Um, my question is this. <laughs> Can you love a, children, a child? Can you love a child? Are you capable? Yes, you can. You can. There's so many ways. And I just want to say right now, like maybe you don't have kids, and this is the only moment today that you really walk away with, but I want you to know this. Think about a person that when you were growing up that wasn't your parents that influenced you, for good or for bad. You can be that person for good for a child. There might be a single mom or a single dad in the room right here today, and all they need is a little help, just somebody to... Just hang out with their kids, just show them a good role model, a good example. And, and if you walked up to them today and said, hey, I noticed, you know, I like hanging out with Billy at church. It would be cool if, like, I went to talk about some ice cream or sometime. Maybe she doesn't want you to take them off by her yourself. That's fine. She's got a good right to think that. But maybe you could say, hey, maybe I can meet you guys at the park and, and uh, teach them how to ride a skateboard or whatever. Get with your daughter and, and teach, her, teach her something about braiding bracelets or something fun. Just hang out. You can invest in kids. We've got some great opportunities through our church that we intentionally partner with organizations who are focused on uh, children and families and those in poverty. And I want to just highlight uh, two of them right now. One is Nourish NC. And, and um, I don't know if with Nourish NC, if you've done this, but did you know twice a month, Nourish NC is an organization. They want to end childhood, um, childhood starvation and, and poverty in this city. And there are like a thousand kids in New Hanover County who live in, uh, in food insecurity. And twice a month, people meet at Murray Middle School, and they pack these bags of food for these kids to get through the public school system to take home with them so they don't go hungry. And you can love a kid by simply spending, what does that take, uh, 30 minutes, I think, maybe an hour if you really want to stick around and help clean up. You can make a difference in a kid's life. And I just actually bumped into one of the directors from Nourish NC at one of the coffee houses this week, and, and she let me know, listen, if you're with a small group or a group of people and you wanted to help with a packing day, but maybe you don't get off work on time on Wednesdays to do that, uh, she said, we could just contact them, and they would set up a time for you and a group of people to just come out and pack a few bags. Or you could do it by yourself, you and your kids. I love taking my kids to Nourish NC. They go, and they're like, man, we're helping kids. 
Kids helping kids, and you can show them. Uh, Nourishing Seed is a great opportunity to do that. You can find them through our website, jointheventure.com, and click on, uh, on Serve, I think it is, but it's, it's under the city team, and it's called Nourishing Seed. We also have an opportunity through the YMCA. I told you that uh, Venture Church is sponsoring a, a teen basketball league this year, and so there's something like 200 kids that are playing basketball, and they've got our church logo on their back. How cool would it be for you to get up with the YMCA and say, could you give me a schedule? I want to get up with one of the teams and just get up with the coach and say, can I just bring some orange slices to practice one day, or can we come to a game one day and hold signs for the kids, uh, slam dunk, whatever, and, and make their day. But also, um, starting next week, we're going to begin a book drive uh, for the YMCA after-school reading program. What YMCA after-school reading program, you might be asking yourself? The one that Venture Church is helping to start. And uh, we need volunteers to help sit with kids and read books. And, but starting next week, we're asking that you could please bring books uh, appropriate for kids K through 6. They're educational books, which is fun books to read. And bring them. We're going to have a box in the back. You start bringing them. Go to thrift stores. Go to Goodwill. Go to uh, wherever. Go to, your, go to your attic. Some of you that have kids that are, that are grown. And bring some of those books. And we're also looking for educational CD-ROM discs. They have several computers upstairs, but they don't have internet access. So educational CD. We're not looking for, like, Halo 3 on CD-ROM. We're looking for, like... Some educational stuff. So, so um, again, go to a thrift store. Go look on Amazon.com. And, and you can make a difference in someone's life. But even more importantly, you can invest in kids and love kids by volunteering to be a part of that reading program. Invest half an hour, an hour, once a week to come read with a kid who needs help. And so, can you love kids? Absolutely. It's not that hard, but you might need to step out of your comfort zone. Let's review. Kids are a blessing from God. Children need training. Children need discipline. And children need love. And, and here's what happens. Though you may feel completely inadequate to do this. Remember we talking about inadequacy? God is not. He is not inadequate to do this. And he's given you a community of people here that you can lean on. And none of us have got it figured out, but we are sure trying. And this is what happens. When you begin to teach a child to be a God-honoring person who lives in his grace, and you love them with the love of God, this is what happens. This is awesome. They grow up to become God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. They can make a difference in this world for God. And that ain't too shabby. Can I take a second to pray for our families this morning? Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your love. And um, thank you for children. Um, right now, I just want to pray for Brent. And I don't even know what volunteers are teaching the, the kids right now, all of them. But all the volunteers that are teaching our kids and um, in the back rooms, I pray that, that, that just, we, we don't call it um, child care. We call it, you know, investing in children. And so I just pray that those moments for them can be good for these families. I, I love the lessons that my kids come home with or they learn in their classes. And um, I pray that those things can come home and moms and dads can, can read that with their kids and learn and grow. I pray for the families today that might be divided and, and maybe some of the parents are here and others are just not into you that much. And I pray this can be a place where they can learn to love you. We can pray for those families and I pray for these kids as they struggle, man, with their identities and their, uh, their weaknesses and, and their insecurities, that they learn about grace and they learn about love and they learn that it's not about doing it perfectly, it's just about doing it for you. And so we love you and we lift all these things up in Jesus' name. Amen.